Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor here with... Dave Barker. Dave Bar- and we're thinking about leadership again, Dave, following up from last week. By the way, I meant to mention uh, those of our listeners who uh, remember fondly uh, Stan Fowler. Uh, I know you've had some visits with Stan, as have I, but he was actually in our worship service last Sunday, and uh, we were all encouraged to see him uh, he still loves our podcast, and Lord willing, one of these days, by way of miracle, uh, Stan will be back. But uh, we keep talking, we keep thinking, and I'm grateful that, Dave, uh, you are my partner in these days. So we want to talk about what we started to talk about last week, and that is leadership, how important it is for the church to be intentional in that. But there's this word that comes up in Paul's epistles, um, He says, the good deposit entrusted to you. It seems to me that's more than merely teaching or discipleship in the usual sense. Paul seems to be identifying individuals set apart, uniquely entrusted to be gatekeepers of this deposit, whatever that is. So uh, is there in the mind of Paul and in the New Testament, a, a college of entrusted individuals who, when they speak, speak with a different tone than just any disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, I think as we talked about leadership, um, there are those who are gifted for leadership, those who we think among us. I remember my pastor years ago kind of put his finger on my shoulder and said, Okay, you, I think that you've got gifts for ministry, and he was an uh, impetus for me to go to seminary and then eventually do become what I'm able able to uh, serve in the way I do. But um, yeah, I, I think so, and and I do think that there is a responsibility on people like you and me to ensure that entrustment is passed to people who are committed to orthodoxy and evangelical orthodoxy, and are competent in articulating that orthodoxy and speaking it to others. I think both orthodoxy and competence play into how we make sure that the entrustment is passed on from generation to generation. Okay, so those are the kind of people that are entrusted, but can we just dig deeper into what is entrusting is, is there a ceremony? Is that ordination? Uh, is that a marking of certain individuals? Uh, is it elders? Or, you know, how, is, how does that differentiate between people who have not been entrusted with the deposit? Yeah. Oh, well, um, ordination certainly plays a part in that. And, and ordination events and the examination of ordination... Okay, the pre-council that we now do and then the, the council mm-hmm. has to be rigorous. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a, turn, a return to rigorous councils because I think for a while there we waffled and it became more of a celebration than an examination. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like it was a done deal. And if you went to an ordination and, and dared to ask hard questions... Uh, I still had the daggers in my back, uh, other from people who were watching and thought that I was there to wreck the party. Um, there also has to be the possibility that the person can fail. 
And that is awkward, especially when the kind of way we used to do things and continue to do things. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the examination needs to be rigorous, thoughtful. And uh, I think that's one place that we can ensure the entrustment is passed on uh, correctly. I also think that the leaders, the elders of the church are, have, have a responsibility and I think that when leaders are appointed to roles, especially if they're in a teaching role, mm-hmm. we've got to ask more than just, are you supportive of the pastor? Are you supportive of the leadership? Are you supportive of the direction of the church? I think some questions need to be asked about, okay, have you read our doctrinal statement? Mm-hmm. Are you on side? I, I don't know whether we, whether we need to sign something, you know, without mental reservation or something like that. But have you read the doctrinal statement? Are you on side? Are, yeah. Is that where you are? are? We are part of a denomination, okay, yeah. which has a doctrinal statement. And maybe the church is the same as the others, as the denomination, maybe not. Are you on side with that? So, yeah, there is a – use the word gatekeeper. I think that's a really important word. And I think that the leaders in place right now need to take seriously that as we develop new leaders, that they can become gatekeepers, of of the entrustment. Do you think there should be like a, a formality, a public a ceremony of sorts of, of identifying and marking these people publicly so that they are just set apart, they are go-to people? Does that need to happen? And is that what Paul's thinking of here? Well, Laying on know, of hands. You know, like, yeah, laying on of hands for sure. Um, there's so many cultural realities going on here, right? I mean... So what did Paul mean? What does laying on of hands mean? Uh, but is, was there some public recognition? Well, whether it was public or private, there was something happening. Mm-hmm. Whether it was a private laying on of hands of Paul to, to Timothy or whether it was a public ceremony, we really don't know. But yeah, there's something happening there that, that is serious mm-hmm. and was tested. Um, you know, this is a little bit of a side, but I, I got to use this illustration. Uh, when I was in seminary, my professor, Dr. John Whitcomb, many, mm-hmm. some will know who he was. Um, and I remember him teaching this class, and he came to that Second Timothy 2, 2 text, which, of course, you and I know, mm-hmm. because it was the, the theme mm-hmm. verse of London Baptist Bible College and Seminary, right? It was Truth of Flame and Second Timothy 2, 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember him putting a box on the board, like drawing a box, and then drawing this diagram, and one diagram, the box got bigger, the other diagram, the box got smaller, and then the third diagram, the box stayed the same. And, he, and it was a very simple thing, but he is just saying, when you're working with 2 Timothy 2.2, be sure you understand that you're in the third diagram, that if you're getting bigger, getting smaller, then the things that, thou, that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men. And I, and I think in our context where we have women leaders, men and women, mm-hmm. uh, to pass that on and just make sure the box stays the same size. I, I'll never forget that. And it was kind of a, a boundary setting for me. Now, what that box is in the first place, yeah. of course, is the yeah. question. And we could say, well, it's the Bible. Right. Well, okay, but, but what, how does he explain, like, dispensationalism, for instance? I yeah. don't know if that was in the box. Well, for him, it would have been. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. he, he, 
believes that it's that static. Oh yeah, he was he was a very strong dispensationalist, and yeah, that those of us who wandered outside of uh, dispensationalism have, have either expanded or reduced the really? size of the box in his okay. mind. Yeah, it was it was a pretty firm thing for him. Well, I think there is a box, right? And um, we at Grandview we're trying to wrestling with that. What what is the box? Because if it's this serious, it's entrusted. It's a good deposit. What exactly is that? And you could say the Bible, just right. kind of throw throw that in the box. But right. it, it seems that in Paul's letters, he's the one that's really concerned with this idea. And so just to tease out from his epistles, what are the, the yeah. salient truths? And we use a little curriculum called First Principles, and there's 40 that we can identify concerns that Paul has in this entrustment. But I think it's, it's more than that because there are things that Paul doesn't deal with in, in his epistles that I would include yeah. in what it means to be entrusted. Um, I have a question for you. If, if we agree that there are, an, are people designated to teach from a position of entrustment, so when a pastor presumably gets up and preaches the truth, is there a sense in which people listen to that differently? than if you brought someone else who was not formally entrusted but has a good word, maybe a member in the church, uh, maybe a lady or, or just someone else who has something to say, but you listen, they're, they're still speaking from the Bible, mm-hmm. but they are not in this category that Paul talks about. Should people listen differently to the one who has been entrusted with the care of their souls and formally entrusted with articulating the gospel. Do you understand yeah. my question? Yeah, I, I think I do. And yeah, I, th- I do think we, we listen differently. Um, and I think it's a responsibility of the senior leadership to ensure that what is spoken from whatever context we find ourselves in is appropriate. Um, I've never had to correct anyone or publicly go, go on and say, okay, this person said this, but you know, this is not where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I would also say that everybody who listens to you or me also need to listen with a critical ear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we can wander. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is a responsibility of the congregation to be informed as best as they can. And especially our leaders, if we wander off in a direction that is a little questionable. So, so yes, I do think we, they listen with different ears due to the role and the position that the person might have in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we don't put our, let our guard down. Right. And if somebody holds the name, the position of lead pastor, mm-hmm. that there's no critical listening and even challenge sometimes. Um, and you and I have gotten the emails, we've gotten the phone calls, we've had the conversations at the back. Um, when a person comes up and says, you know, I'm not quite sure about that. Mm-hmm. And there are times when I've said, you know what, you're right. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I'm going to say it differently from yeah. here on yeah. kind of thing, right? So, we're human, yes. we're humble. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to happen. But by and large, that shouldn't happen all the time. That oh, we're hopefully. always being corrected. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just, uh, you know, when I, when I talk with interns, you know, who, who begin to preach, there's a, there's, a, there's a transition where you're up there saying things that are true, right? And that's, that's good preaching, I guess. 
But there comes a point when the gravitas takes over, right? And you're, you're preaching God's truth, but you're, you're saying, now look, congregation, look, beloved, this matters to us mm-hmm. in this way. And mm-hmm. so you're not just saying things that are true now, but you're, you're leveraging your office as an entrusted um, messenger of the deposit in a way that says, okay, this is, I'm hearing this differently now. And, yes. I, and I think we need to develop that yes. in our preachers. I, I agree. And I think ordination plays a role in that. And that's why I'm, I'm working really, really hard within our own movement to continue to strengthen the uh, rigorous examination of ordination councils. I think there's a lot of work that can be done there. Um, I was just at a conference with the AGC, and they do it significantly differently than we do with a closed-door panel committee mm-hmm. who, who examine. And these are, on the committee, are denominationally appointed theologians, pastors, who can examine well. And I kind of like that, actually. Um, but not everybody in, who's going to stand with gravitas is going to go through an ordination uh, examination. And so we're back to that comment that you made earlier about laying on of hands or some kind of ceremony or examination or process whereby the congregation does recognize that um, mm-hmm. this person has gone through some hoops. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're trustworthy, not perfect, but they're trustworthy. Right. And, and that trustworthy and have been entrusted. Mm-hmm. And the leadership of the church has confidence in these, in this person that they're going to speak orthodox, orthodoxy and with competence. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, uh, truth matters. And, uh, we say it with grace. We talk about truth with love, and we try to be winsome in the way that that we speak these things. But, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I think we need to continue to work hard at ensuring those who are recognized in the life of the church are well equipped to do well. Mm-hmm. And we need to encourage that 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 motion where people are made competent and they are entrusted and we look for people like that and we allow people uh, to speak with confidence in the life of our church and we don't look at that as something odd. But but and, and, and we spend time. Yeah. Like this is an investment of, of you and mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. Uh, to spend time with these people, both yeah. men and women. Yeah. Um, and it's done in different ways. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I had some adult Sunday school teachers that would send me their notes. And, uh, and it wasn't something I was demanding, mm. but they would send me their notes and say, hey, Pastor Dave, is, how am I doing here? And, you know, and it, I, I was gratified by that. Yeah. I thought, fantastic, yeah. nicely done. Amen. Well, my brother, uh, thank you for being one of the entrusted uh, holders of the deposit. I've been the beneficiary of that over the years. And uh, we just pray that God will continue to raise up Uh, trustworthy men and women who are faithful. So thanks for joining us and thanks for listening to us. Dave and I think about it. Until next time, I'm Bob McGregor. Dave Barker. Thanks for thinking about it with us.